Hello, beautiful people. My guest today is Kobe Gatsby. And Kobe, his knowledge on e-commerce, branding, storytelling is just incredible. We were originally co-workers at the Blue Ocean e-commerce back in the day. But Kobe's such a great guy. And in this conversation, we dove deep on his background and some of the processes that he's working through on the day-to-day. Really enjoyed this episode, really enjoyed this conversation. And if you have any thoughts or feedback about it, let me know on Twitter, at HeyDannyMiranda. I'm looking forward to hearing from you, and I appreciate any thoughts or feedback about the episode. And if you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend or someone you think will enjoy it as well. That would mean the world to me, and it would be so, so appreciated. But until then... This is my conversation with Kobe Gatsby. Interesting people, thought-provoking conversations, nutrition for your brain. Journey through the minds of the world's top performers and discover what it really takes to achieve your highest version. This is the Danny Miranda Podcast. We actually recorded a conversation that got deleted. You know, just one of those situations that... The universe wanted us to speak again for some reason, and I was really yeah. upset by it because it was such a great conversation. But one of the things that we spoke about at the end was the duality of you. Mm-hmm. And if you remember that, I think that would be a great place to start for this conversation where we kind of break down the duality of your upbringing and your experiences to allow you to be in where you're at today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I do remember that. Um, so it's essentially like what I think we spoke about last time or we got into it about how I feel like I've seen both sides in terms of like people that are happy, people that are unhappy. And also like it stemmed from growing up. I spent a lot of time with people that had a lot, like we're talking people that are still in the NFL right now, $75 million contracts or people I grew up with and spent a lot of time with my parents' friends, but also that same week or same day, I might spend time with my family who's not as privileged or even to go as far as like my mom's brother, who my whole life has been an actual homeless person. So Mm. like spending like close time with both of those groups of people has showed me like just a lot. And I feel like it helps me balance uh, back and forth and everything I need to do. I've seen both perspectives. Yeah. So break that down, you know, seeing going close to people who have made the NFL or people who have achieved massive success. What types of traits do you see in those types of people? Mm. I, I almost feel like it's so generic, but like at that same time, it's uh, what you always hear in terms of like hard work, but not just hard work, but like thoughtful hard work, you know, like you mm. me, you are always talking about, um, practice really begins like once you get to the pros and that's not the time to quit so even when you seem like you're at the top of your game since middle school since high school everybody's calling you the best that you're going to make it uh still being hungry at every single uh level and that's something even i try to do like i told you before one time i sold a website for ten thousand dollars and that was like the most money ever and i didn't work for three months i stopped doing everything and it was just like because to me that was like the pinnacle and of course like I lost all of my momentum and it really 
it's like set me back really far when I could have used that to keep going. And that's what I feel like when it comes to like high achievers, I actually tweeted that the other day, like Elon Musk, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Tom Brady, they've done amazing things, but they keep on coming back. Like, like they haven't done anything. And I think that's what's like really separates like regular people from high achievers and what I know me and you want to emulate too. Hell yeah. So let's get into your story and where it begins. So where would you say the start of the Kobe Gatsby that we know today, where does that begin? Oh man. So this is so corny, but in elementary school, bro, I would sell anything. I mean, anything. Like if I had a friend who's coming over and he like wanted my old game, I would sell it to him. I had no problem. (laughs) So like that turned into me selling candy at school which eventually got me into buying uh, phone backs off of eBay and like fixing them at school. Then I started buying life proof cases. And that's when I made like, as, as I think that's the first time I made a thousand dollars in a day, but like, I didn't even care, bro. I was like 14, 15. I spent all that money at like skies on trampoline parks. And then I think I used up a little bit of it to like get myself like a beater car. But like, that's the first time I ever made a couple thousand dollars. And that's like what, led me to where I'm at now, honestly. So with the cases, I know that was a big moment for you. Break that down. What did you do? What was the the game plan on selling those and how'd that story unfold? Dude, I don't even I don't even remember like how I even found out about AliExpress or DH Gate, but everybody at school had a life proof case. And it was like that time of year. It was like Christmas. So everybody had an iPhone, everybody had a life proof case and they were like a hundred bucks. And I did not have a hundred bucks to spend on a phone case. Right. So I like am searching all over the place and I end up finding it on a DH gate or something. And I think it was, it was like $9, no, like maybe $15 for a case. And I was like, bro, that's a no brainer, but I still didn't have any money. I had no money. So I just had this random idea. I was like, I'm going to put this on eBay. Cause they're all going for like 40, 50, 60 bucks on eBay. I'm going to put it on there for 30 bucks. It's going to sell the fastest. And then when they pay me the 30 bucks, I'll order the case to me from China and then I'll ship it to them. So I, dude, I did that for like five or six cases. I don't know like what popped up in my head, but I would order it from China, take 21 days, and then I would ship it out. Then eBay was like, okay, like your shipping time is taking way too long. So that's when like my dad kind of saw what I was doing because he was taking me to the post office and he was just like, list 100 and then you'll be able to afford to pay for faster shipping. So I listed a hundred or something like that. And it sold overnight. Like my phone just ping, ping, pinged overnight. And then the crazy thing about like selling a hundred was that like my price per unit went from like $15 to like two or $3 per unit. So I was making way more money than I was before. And that was just like, that is when I actually realized like the power of like arbitrage. And then I, my mom thought it was like fraud or something. So I went online and was like, what is it called when you sell something without actually having the inventory? And it was called drop shipping. And that's like where I really got my start when I was like 14, 15. And what year was that for some context? Uh, 14, 15 years old. Dude, this is like 2013, 2012-ish, like <laughs> way, way back then. I actually didn't touch drop shipping again until 2017 because I took a five-year break because I... I, of course, like I dropshipped that time, right? But I didn't know what I did. I didn't know how to like create, um, not create demand, but create like a better marketing angle. The only thing I could think of was like branding products, which of course that doesn't really work. So what are you doing in those five years from when you sell your first case to 
then coming back to drop shipping again in 2017, which I'm sure we'll touch on. What happens yeah. in those five years? Those five years, bro. I actually, so I, I go to high school, of course. I do my first year of high school. Then my parents put me in homeschool. So then as soon as I got put in homeschool, I got a job at a fast food restaurant, whatever. And when I called my friend to tell them I got a job at a fast food restaurant, his dad immediately calls me and he's like, hey, how much are they going to pay you at Bojangles? And I'm like, $9.50. And he's like, can I match that? And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, come work for me and I'll pay you $9.50 an hour. And I really didn't knew, I really didn't know much of what he did at the time, but he had a marketing company that had like a couple clients. So I ended up going and working there. I never did a day at the fast food restaurant. And that's what like, dude, I started working, like I was working like 30 hours a week when I was 16. And I just went through school. I finished early um, and just worked, bro, at this marketing company. What do you think your friend's dad saw in you that made him give you that incredible offer? Mm. I Well, one, I think he just needed somebody who like he could trust to do like some. All I did was like sort pictures, bro. For like a year, I just would drag pictures, smiling, not smiling, girl, boy, doing this. So like, of course, I was cheap labor. But then at the same time, um, I was really close to the family. So I I knew he knew I sold the cases and everything because when my eBay account got banned, I went and used his sons and he made some money too. So he saw that like I was a little bit hip with making money. So and you were also trustworthy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So what do you end up learning at this marketing agency? What types of skills are you pulling in and gaining from your experience there? Yeah. So dude, there I was like, I did so much between learning how to create like KPI dashboards that pulled in all the data from Facebook, um, the POS system. I'm like on the phone with the owner. So like account management, doing the AdWords, doing the email marketing. So just like all of that. But ultimately we transitioned while I was there um, from being just like your small town marketing company to being a trampoline park marketing agency. So we went from broad to narrow. So I really got to see the whole great piece of like understanding a market and then creating tools specifically for one group of people, which I didn't even know that that's what I was watching at the time. But we, I, I know to this day, bro, I could go to a trampoline park or an amusement park. I could use the POS system. I could book a birthday party. I know what they need to do to grow. And so like we built tools specifically for that. So our ad campaigns were to get birthday bookings and group bookings. Um, we created tools for them to get more reviews on Yelp and Google, all that. And we also created like call coaching for their salespeople in store. So we like went from a just, hey, anybody has a client to being super, super specific, which is dope because that's like what I talk about all day now. And it's kind of crazy how that happened. Yeah. So let's just go back to that trampoline example. Um, If you're going through and looking at a random trampoline park, what are some of the common things they do wrong? And the reason why I'm asking this is because, you know, someone might not have this specific situation, but they might be able to take it to another, their own business or whatever venture they're doing. Yeah. So when I was 15, uh, 14, I went to the trampoline park sky zone every single weekend would spend 20, 40 bucks, but that's like an anomaly. Most people come once or twice and they don't ever go again. So trampoline mm-hmm. parks are in the business of like, okay, either we spend all of our time and money trying to get individuals to come back and spend 20, 40 bucks, or 
we spend that energy in getting a parent to book a party for 10 or 20 kids and spend between 500 to a thousand bucks. And that's what we found out was like the best performing locations got majority, like 30 or 40% of their revenue from group. I mean, from group bookings or birthday parties. So like we like found that just in the reports, we didn't even get that from the Sky Zone headquarters, which is like the fastest growing franchise in the world. They didn't even know that, but we uncovered it like in the trenches looking at the data. So that became our main like service offering. So then we took like our four or five clients and we crushed it for them. They all used the same template and we would change things out. So we found that formula and then we just say like, hey, so this is what you need to do. And then when we did outreach, they start talking to other franchise owners that became like a big thing that was almost like if you could just get 30 to 40% of your revenue from birthday party bookings or group bookings, you could do everything else wrong and you're still okay. And then another thing we did to get people to come back is like every month come up with a calendar of like special events and promos, almost like you do now with e-commerce stores, give people a reason to come back, but don't just like make it lame. It doesn't have to be 50% off, but it could be a free drink or free soda free $10 at the arcade, just things to get people in the door, spending money again. So, all right, you now are going back to 2017. What happens yeah. in 2017 when you discover dropshipping and you're, you say to yourself, oh my God, this is basically what I was doing in 2013, 2012 when I was selling these cases. So talk about how you get back into the dropshipping game. For sure. So... In that five years, I would always remember what I did with the phone cases, right? And every once in a while, I would scroll through like AliExpress or DHgate, and I'd be like, I just need to find another product that I could do the same thing with. But it was just like, like, what am I going to do? I'm going to start selling like fake jerseys or like fake Gucci belts. Like I already lost my eBay account, which to this day, I still can't sell on eBay. I could buy them, but I can't sell on eBay. Um, so I'm on YouTube at one point. And I just see a video that was just talking about drop shipping and it caught my eye. I'm not even going to try to say his last name because I'm going to freaking like butcher it. But it's Sebastian. You know, Sebastian. Georgiu. Sebastian exactly. Georgiu. It's yeah. crazy. How that's the so, beginning of your dude, journey. He, dude, he had only been posting videos for like two or three months. So like, this is early. This is like bad quality, young Sebastian. Wow. He's talking about like winning products and Instagram influencers. So I started trying to dabble in it. I like, I, I saw it was working for him. Like he was still like in his bedroom making videos, but it's like slowly upgrading. So I could kind of like resonate with him. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take $500 from my money that I make for my job every month. And I'm going to like make this work. And so for months, like two or three months, I probably, I lost money every single month, a lot of money, whatever. And then um, I tweeted about this the other day where I found that uh, wallet and Sebastian had gotten started talking about like niche stores versus general stores. And he was like, I always do niche. And that's when I started being like, okay, like instead of just selling random crap, let's do like a niche store. That's like that, that like people are passionate about. So I did like a baby store and that's how I got my first sales was like a, a baby clothing. And then the wallet, bro, is like where everything just took off, selling a carbon fiber wallet to Jeep owners. And okay, so what made you in those first two, three months keep going when you were losing money? Because I think that's where a lot of people would quit and would say, you know, this obviously doesn't work. I'm losing money. Like, let me just toss it in. What made you 
continue, whereas most people would have stopped. Yeah. I'm honestly, dude, like I'm a very imaginative person. So like when I watch a movie or something, I'm always like picturing myself in that movie. Right. So at this time in 2017, and this goes back to like the dual, uh, the dual tea that we were talking about earlier, I had just moved out of like my uh, childhood home and I got like a basement apartment, super crappy, no bathroom, no AC, one electrical outlet. Like it was just like, <laughs> it was just awful, dude. It had no heat, but I was like so hyped. Like I'm, I'm paying $500 a month. I'm out of my parents' house. This is dope. And I'm like working on this. And I really felt like 50 cent from get rich or die trying. Like he had the crappy spot at first. Right. But he was just happy to have his own spot. Like it was, it, it, it was super crappy. It was dusty, but it was his. And so like when I was working, I went, dude, I, I also went to bed in a bubble coat. So I, I definitely felt like get rich or die trying. I went to bed in a bubble coat because it was that cold in the Georgia winter or whatever. But I was just like so hyped to like be working on something and just like having my own spot. And so like, it was just really easy because like I'm watching other people do it. And it's like, it just feels like I'm in a movie. Like, you know, as a kid, you want to be a cowboy. You want to be a knight. It was like, nah, like at that point, I was actually 50 cent from get rich or die trying. And that was like my hustle. So that was 2017. That's 2017, bro. Okay. So then what happens next in your journey? Dude, so 2017, I start making probably like an extra two grand in profit per month. Life is good, bro. I'm over here like, hey, man, if you want Chipotle, it's on me. And it could be a double or like a triple meat with guac. It didn't make a difference. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, life was really good. Honestly, like, I still have my job. So I'm making like probably like four or five K a month between the two. But um, I keep pushing with that. I sell the store for 10K and I don't work for three months. So this is like the summer of 2018. I started mm. like tweeting at this point, like tweeting about like everything I did, but I, I really didn't work. And then 2018, when I started trying to drop ship again, it was like, I thought I had the Midas touch, but dude, nothing was working. And that's when I really learned like momentum. And I just kept on talking to people online back in my uh, get rich or die trying phase where like, I just kept working, bro. And then we get to 2019 and that's where things like got a lot, lot more serious for me of when I would say I'm officially making like real substantial money. Okay. So 2018 was when you joined Twitter. Why did you join Twitter? And what was it about Twitter? Why not start YouTube videos or why not mm -hmm. uh, have an Instagram account? Why Twitter yeah. specifically? So I had always been on Twitter and liked Twitter a lot more, even back when just being on like jokes in high school, right? Then I found like self-improvement Twitter. And then I found a couple of people who were drop shipping, like uh, Scotty used to drop ship on account, like Red Pill Reviews, like if we want to throw it back to that, right? So I saw people talking about it. I was like, okay, I've been drop shipping too. So I just started tweeting about like what I was doing. And the reason I started tweeting, bro, I swear to God, is because when I would have to write stuff at work or just talk to people or text people, I just, I, I noticed that I had a very like uh, hard time communicating my ideas quickly. And I was like, Twitter's the perfect place to learn how to communicate in shorter paragraphs. All my friends used to laugh at me when I would answer a question and be like, oh my God, he's ranting again. So <laughs> I started tweeting as a way to just become a better writer. I didn't know what I was going to write about. I thought I was going to be a real estate agent, bro. But I just was like, I should just become a better writer. And so that's just what I started doing. 
Why did you decide to lean into your weakness as opposed to running away from it? That's just like what I was always taught. Like I can't take credit for it and say I came up with it, but I, I grew up with parents who were very, very hard on me. Like, of course they love me, but they're very, very hard on me. So like growing up, I also had a stutter, right? A really bad stutter. I sound like a lawnmower when I was growing up. My parents used to always push me to go fix it. And they like, weren't very, uh, babying about it. Uh, Like it used to be something that actually bothered me, but they pushed me to do better instead of just like dancing around it. And so take that to the next level. They always make me take harder classes in school. Didn't matter how good I did. I know that they were proud of me, but they always made it seem like I could do a lot better because they knew I could do a lot better. So they're always pushing me, always pushing me to do something better. Even when we didn't agree the root cause of everything was just like they were pushing me to be uh, better. So I think I was just accustomed to it. And I felt like that was, was right just because of the example that I had growing up. Yeah. So that brings us back to the duality where you have the stutter and now you're, it seems like a great speaker from, you know, we our our conversations together. You, yeah. you weren't a great writer and now it seems like you're a great writer. You give thoughts really well. So what do you think that duality allows you to have on life that, that seeing things from different perspectives, what do you think that yeah. gives you? Same thing from different perspectives. I just think is good because it's, it's like a lot of things, but one of the biggest things I would have to say is you're a lot more like optimistic and just, you know, that the possibilities are so much greater because if you're down, you know that you could be up. And mm. when I'm up, I know that I need to be careful because I could be down. It's like, I've seen both. Like I've seen my parents make close to half a million dollars a year. And I've seen my dad work overnight at a restaurant to pay the bills. Mm. So it's just like, I've seen both sides. And that's why it's the same thing. It's just like, you can always be the other way, optimistic, but also careful. Mm. Okay. Now I want to go back to your story. Now yeah. we're in, in 2019 and 2020, things start getting interesting for the, in the life of Kobe Gatsby. What, what happens? What, what brings you to that next level? So to speak. Yeah. Um, I just go back to my roots, bro. The exact same thing I did to find that wallet is how I found what I sold in 2019, which is like a back pain related product. And I saw that it was being pushed like for one angle and I moved the angle over and it just blew up, bro. It absolutely blew up. And this was like, this is the first time ever I became that person who people were like stealing my ad copy, stealing mm. my landing page, stealing my custom content. Like, you know, in the world of dropshipping, like we all hate to say it, but like you use other people's content at first, right? I went and got my own custom content and stuff like that. And people were taking my stuff. So I'm like seeing other people's ads. I'm getting customers mad at me who didn't even purchase for me. And it absolutely blew up. I did my first seven figures in sales. It was amazing, but as fast as it went up, came back down. You know what I mean? Yeah. So dropshipping as a whole gets a bad rap because of the copying nature, but you're someone who it seems to me does everything the right way. And so why do you think you've allowed your, how do you think you've navigated that and been able mm-hmm. to not get caught it up in the dropshipping world of, of scamminess? Yeah. Um, I, I, th- I think it just depends on who you are as a person, right? If, yeah. if you're scamming d- during dropshipping, 
you would be scamming doing something else if you had another business opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. So I've always been an honest person. That's how I was raised. And so when that thing blew up and it came back down, bro, I took care. Like, even though I, it felt like thousands of people were mad at me, I gave out hundreds and hundreds of refunds, kept my customer service going for months after mm-hmm. I was stopped running ads. And so I just tried to make everything right. And I always had like a long-term view because like everybody thinks, you know, when you're drop shipping, it gets an awful rep, but I'm not a drop shipper. I'm just a person who uses drop shipping to test ideas. You know what I mean? And that's the big difference. I feel like drop shippers kind of fall into like a short-term mentality of like, yo, like I just got to take to get what's mine versus a person who just uses drop shipping to get what else they want, which is like holding inventory. Like I'm a drop ship. And then I'll order it to my house and then I'll get an officer like a 3PL with employees. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah. And I think it's so fascinating because when I was starting dropshipping, I was that short term mentality of like, how much can I make this month, this week and short term? But you've always seen it as a long term play. Like, how have you developed that? I don't think I always saw it as a long term play. But I think because I tried to be honest, I was like, okay, if I'm going to be honest, I need to make a long-term play. Because if you're honest, it's really hard to just like run it up, like stop your ads, stop your customer service. But like, if you're going to be honest, you're going to lose money doing it that way. So I was like, okay, I need to make it a long-term play because that thing blew up and I immediately had something else also blow up at like a better of a stable scale. But I starting from scratch all the time sucks, bro. Like imagine having to start your podcast audience over all the time. And I think people <laughs> like possible. Yeah. Are, are just like, well, you know, I'll just cut on Facebook ads and I'll be back up. But like, why start from zero all the time? It's so much like more fun sometimes to just like, oh, like, you know, you have some advantages. People already like rock with you. Just keep growing what you have. Of course, it tastes like a, a different skill set. And I will say, nothing's more exciting than like that first sale. Like that first sale is more exciting than the multiple times I've seen a, like a brand cross the seven figure mark, right? Mm-hmm. But knowing that it's going to help me in the long term makes building up on things over and over like way more fun instead of starting from scratch. I want to go back to when things blew up in your face and you have thousands of customers mad at you. What were some of the biggest takeaways you learned from that moment? Dude, I, I should have never, ever been doing the type of volume I was doing. I would like for like a month straight, we did like 40, 50, 60 K days. Right. And dude, I was like, I felt like I had it all figured out. You know, I'm, I'm waking up with the sun. I'm immediately going to the gym. I'm going for a jog. I'm playing basketball. I'm doing a little bit of work. I'm checking in with my customer service. Not at one point in the months that it was making money, did I ever consider like, hey, let me get this over to the United States instead of doing this type of volume from China. It just Mm -hmm. didn't even cross my mind. And then it was like, for whatever reason, everything was kind of holding itself together. And then it was just like, boom, everything collapsed. Like, I kid you not, like in one day, hundreds of people orders from like weeks ago weren't getting delivered. So that's thousands of dollars to like replace it in inventory. Then I realized like, holy crap, the other people in between, so the people from the last week and the week before that, they haven't even emailed me yet because it's still normal. And all those people just started coming in. 
then we ran into the issue of like, people didn't really know what the product was. So I got tons of returns. So it's like, I, I should have been more prepared on my logistics. Everybody says it. You actually have to treat people like they're dumb. Not that they're dumb, but treat people that look like they're dumb so that your average person, it is crystal clear. That's one thing I didn't do in terms of my like post-purchase instructions, making sure there's instructions in the packet. And then also um, just selling something that I can see myself in that market for years to come, not just weeks yeah. and months, but like for years to come. Because like I said, like I don't want to be starting over from scratch every single time. Because even though I felt like I had an advantage because of my skill set, I don't want to always have to go back to zero. I want to use my skill set to, to go to levels 10 and 20 to 30 to 40. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So you take those, that, that situation, and what do you then build in the next phase? Yeah. So dude, after that, um, I went on a road trip. I drove from Georgia to San Francisco and in the car in like this notebook that I still have, I just wrote down a lot of ideas I actually tweeted out some of these ideas, like this specific product and market and like the long-term vision. And when I got home, I ordered all the stuff. So I've spent like two grand ordering a ton of products, started testing them individually. One of them popped off and now like it's on its way to like multiple millions now. Wow. Incredible. And I'm going to stay in this market for a while. Like I'm not just like jumping around. This is actually the longest it's like, like the second longest I've worked on anything. I've been working on it for like more than a year straight. Wow. And yeah, that's incredible because we were jumping from one project to another back in 2018, 2019. Exactly. Um, so I want to go to the, the cross-country trip. What gave you the idea to go from Georgia to San Francisco? Dude, I just have like friends, like a few friends who are really just down to do anything. So like one of our friends was moving there. So we um, helped her move. And we just like turned it into a trip. Like she could have flew, but she just decided that she wanted to drive. So we mm-hmm. all just like went together, took seven days, stopped at a bunch of cool places. And then we flew back. what did you learn from, from having all that time alone and, or at least time to write down your thoughts and, and mm-hmm. seeing the country? I, one thing I learned is that the United States, I think is super underrated in terms of like traveling and stuff. You know what I mean? Everybody's like, Oh, I want to go to Mexico. Oh, I want to go to Thailand. It's just like, bro, like you can go a couple hours from your house and there's some very, very dope places. Right. The other thing is like, I really don't like being in the car or driving. I, I learned that like absolutely confirmed. I'll do it, but I really did do not enjoy driving one bit. Um, <laughs> and just like, the power of uh, silence and just like setting aside time to think like when everybody else falls asleep in a car and I was driving in the desert, I got so much thinking done. Like when I go snowboarding, I get so much thinking done because you're kind of just like by yourself. So like setting aside time to think is just a huge thing. How do you bring that silence into your day-to-day life where you're not driving across yeah. the country and you have people napping on you or you have uh, you're not going to snowboard? So what is your... How do you build that in? Yeah. Um, just anything that's kind of like mundane in a way, like a shower is an example of time that, that you can think, but that's a little bit short. But like if I'm stressed, I need ideas. I'll just go for a walk or I'll go play basketball. Like even though basketball isn't alone, it seems like you're like running around. It's kind of like I'm just like operating and my brain is just like thinking on its own. So like I feel like going for a walk and playing basketball for me are almost the same thing. Like I come out with it with like um, 
a new solution to a problem or just like a new idea altogether. Or I, I just feel good, bro. Like it helps me function. It's like a reset. Yeah. What's an example of an idea that you've gained or, or that you've learned from a walk or a, or a basketball game where you're just like, where did that come from? Does anything pop yeah. out in your mind? Um, so like, let's just say like I've had a problem with like my average order value and I couldn't come up with a way like, man, how do I get people to, to buy more or like an angle issue? Like I'll just be going for a walk and I'll think about it and it'll be like something that was right in front of me the whole time. But because you're so busy worrying about it or things like that, you immediately see like, Oh, here's a new headline. Here's a new angle. Here's an angle that I should have did. Okay. Look, I'll give you actually like, here's a perfect example. I finally thought of one. So my main audience was like 50 and up, but all my images had women in their twenties and thirties. And, you know, like in their thirties, I didn't think it would make that big of a difference. So I like, I searched for some older models. I couldn't really find them. So I started using women like the thirties or forties. Okay. But like, once I started using women in their fifties or sixties, cause that's exactly who my market was. Everything immediately did exponentially better. And that wow. was just like, such a no brainer thing. Like I had it in my notebook, target market is 50 years and up, but I just didn't even get that type of content when that should have been a main priority, knowing that's who my market is. Cause I would have never shown 20 year old girls, 50 year olds, but why was I showing 50 year olds, 20 year old girls? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you mentioned your notebook a few times. What types of things do you jot down in this notebook and how does that play a role in your day to day? Dude, I, I got this from like, uh, use and uh, Tej Dose on Twitter, they just used to always tweet about how like if you keep things in your head, you're just like running like a, a CPU at like 50%. And so I realized that I was like, holy crap, like I'm kind of anxious because I'm keeping everything in my head. So I just write down crap all day. Like one page in a day might say your dog needs to get its microchip. And it also might be like a new headline idea or like something I want to research later for XYZ brand I'm working on. It's just like big like that because I don't like keeping anything in my head. Like it just like slows you down because you have to think about remembering it. How often do you go back into the notebook and revisit old entries? I actually don't really do that, honestly, but like I stumbled across an old notebook because I thought it was new and I saw some old stuff, but like, Something close to that is when in 2014 or 2015 or, or something like that, me and my friends would do like a heavy self-improvement phase and we had like a little group chat. So we all like wrote down some goals of what we wanted our future to be. And so this is like five, six years old at this point. And my friend had a screenshot of it and he sent it back to me earlier this wow. year. And it was crazy to see like I've exponentially done all I wanted back then. It, it was literally like, I think I said I wanted to have a, a web design company that also did marketing that made $3,000 a month remotely so I could be a, like a digital nomad. So like I'm, I'm not a digital nomad. I could be if I wanted to be, but just because I don't want to be. And I'm making way more than $3,000 a month. But that's like, that was all I wanted. I didn't know how I was going to get there. I tried to start up so many like web design companies and marketing companies when I was 16, 15, and they never worked. But like eventually I, I found my way. And it was just really cool to see like that screenshot that I completely forgot about, but it was me. Like it was sick. Yeah. And that takes me to a tweet that I love of yours that is be careful of no longer appreciating what you once prayed for. 
I mean, yeah. that speaks to that exactly, right? That's what that's from, actually. It's just, it's just like, like my bad months now, are like honestly, a bad day now on occasion can be what I used to wish for of all I wanted for a month. You know what I mean? Wow. And so it's easy to get caught up because once you get accustomed to doing something, it just becomes the norm. So you mm-hmm. become accustomed to a certain amount of money. You become accustomed to playing basketball every day, whatever. Um, and you lose that. Like I've torn my ACL twice. And so it's just like a frustrating thing when you get accustomed to something and you lose it. But once you get it back or once you get it, it's just like, don't allow it to just become a norm anymore. Always appreciate it. Even though I want more, I still got to appreciate like what I have and how bad I wanted it before. Yeah. So if you were doing that same exercise you were doing five or six years ago with your friend, what are some of the things you would include for Kobe Gatsby five or six years from now? From now, bro, honestly, I might have to get back to you on that. But like, of, of it's course, fair. it's going to have something to do with money. I want to look a certain way. And do like a big goal of mine now that I've been kind of just like thinking about heavy is just like how the, how the, the days I spend less time on my phone or my computer are like way better days. Right. Mm. But even though now I spend like five to six hours online, like always working, whatever, um, Michael Patek, he just tweeted out his screen time was like 30 minutes a day for a week. And that's like his life right now. I think like that's sick. Like that's something I want almost more than like a certain amount of money or like anything else. It's just like, I want to be comfortable, happy with my income and not always be on my computer and phone. I think that's like a good starting point that I definitely want in the next couple of years. How do you balance it? Because the phone and the internet has given me and you so much in the sense of money, friends, relationships, learnings. But at the same time, we understand it could also be a curse because you can be glued to this thing that's given you so much. So how do you balance those two? I'm not really good at balance. Honestly, I'm not really good at balance. Like when I was doing this stuff, like in 2017, 2018, 2019, I did this all day. Like if I, like (laughs) I still have no problem like going out and, and having fun, but like, I just worked on this all day. I'll go have fun for a few hours and I'll come back and I'll work on this all night. You know what I mean? So like, I'm not really like good at balance. Like I have times where my screen time probably between my two devices is like nine or 10 hours. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. just like, like I'm not as happy as I know I could be, but I'm still happy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm very happy with like the progress I've made. So I don't know how you find balance between the two. I think you just have to like pick what's most important to you now and just get that and work on the other thing later. What do you think it takes to be in the position you're in? Do you think it takes that level of obsession with the craft mm. of, of just being on the screen for 10 hours? Do you think that's, mm. that's what it takes? I think you should be willing to do that, but also at the same time, trying to get as much done in as little time as possible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like be willing to sit in front of a computer for 10 hours, but if you can obviously get something done in three or four, don't just, don't just spend 10 hours just cause you feel like better about yourself. I used to work just to feel better. Cause I felt guilty when I wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's like where the negative comes. Now, if you got 10 hours worth of work to do, get those 10 hours worth of work done, but don't make something take 10 hours. Cause you feel better about yourself. Like nobody cares anymore about you working for 10 hours. Like what's the result from that? You know what I mean? How did you get over that sense of feeling like, Oh, I, if I'm not working, 
you know, I feel guilty. How did you overcome that if you did? I still struggle with it, but just uh, being more like uh, focused in the present moment. Like when I'm working and I'm thinking about other stuff I have to do, it takes away from work. When I'm doing other stuff and I'm thinking about work, it takes away from that other stuff. And it's almost like if I'm doing this other stuff already, like I'm not working, why make this time bad quality? I should make this good quality. If I'm going to take away from work, like if I'm going to feel guilty, let me do this really, really well instead of doing it bad and feeling guilty because I wasn't working. So like just being more like a intentful and mindful when I'm doing other stuff helps me not feel guilty. Being where your feet are is so important. Mm -hmm. So we, like I mentioned before we started, we, we had this call and we did this podcast once before and, you know, life was going great for Kobe. It, It sounded like amazing. And you've since told me it's going even better now. What's changed yeah. since we recorded our first podcast three or four months ago, maybe? Dude, new ideas. Um, Facebook's treating me good right now, but ultimately, like, ultimately, the new ideas and just expanding to where I'm not super reliant on any one thing. You know what I mean? Like, I got a couple of things going really good for me. Um, my time schedule has been amazing, and that's like goes to how you talk about the balance, like. When I say I'm going to do something, I'm closing my computer and I'm going to the gym immediately. If I say I'm going to work, I'm putting my phone on do not disturb and I'm ignoring the group chats to the best of my ability and I'm getting my work done. So I feel like that is like what helps me more. Like I'm making more money, but like enjoying what I'm doing on like a day-to-day basis makes me more happy. Mm. And so what are what are some of the things that you've done to get to that point of being able to do what you say you're going to do to close your laptop at a certain time. What, what are some of the ways you've got in there? One way I think about it is like when you view like your day or your task as their own like little pool or like a bucket, you realize, okay, if you messed up on your work earlier and you weren't that focused, you still need to close your laptop and do what you had to do after that. Because otherwise it's going to be like a never ending cycle of, okay, I I didn't do good with my work, so I need to take away from my personal responsibilities. I didn't do good with those, so I need to get back to work. And so like now I kind of view like a day, like if I have a bad day or like a bad few hours, it's just like, okay, it's just like throwing a piece of paper into the trash. Like you don't try to like salvage that like sheet of paper that has bad scribbles. You just start a new one. So like when I have a day where I didn't get my task done that day, I still go to bed when I said I'm going to go to bed because I don't want to F up the next day. Hmm. So you're kind of just always able to, like we were talking about before, being where your feet are, not letting the previous mistake impact your next day and and just allowing that cycle to continue. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So I also want to talk about one of your most recent tweets because I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what you have to say about it. I love Mm -hmm. this idea. Discipline and focus are necessary to make it in life, but direction is key. There's a lot of people in the world who have tons of discipline and focus, but it's channeled in the complete wrong direction. Dedicated to sending cold emails is greater than dedicated to being a SoundCloud (laughs) rapper. Explain to me what this means. Dude, I mean, first of all, who hasn't gone through a phase where they wanted to make you music, right? I had the basement studio at my parents' house before. I honestly used to drop one of my old songs if I could find it. it oh, dude, I love like, to like hear it's garbage. It. It's like, it's really big garbage, but bro, I took the time. I like, I wrote it out. I'm studying Kanye West. You know what I'm saying? 
But it's just like, that's not like uh, my calling. Take it to the next level. People that still want to be like pro hoopers and they're 30 years old. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, bro, like apply that direction onto something else instead of still trying to be a pro hooper. The same thing with like some people are dedicated with watching TV shows. Some people spend too much time in the gym. They could use that like focus and grit to work on a business. You know what I mean? Like everybody's too focused on something. How do you find the right thing for you? And how do you know when it's time to hang up the the sneakers or hang up the SoundCloud wrapping? I mean, you could be talking to someone who's a SoundCloud rapper who yeah. is 16 years old and in five years, they're going to pop. How do you figure out that this is the right lane or this is the wrong lane for you? I, I, I really couldn't even give advice on that, bro. I really couldn't. It's something mm-hmm. that like I've asked for advice before to other people and they can't even give me an answer. Right. So it's something I just like figured out, like there was a point in time, like 2017, I don't know how I forgot to mention this, but I was, I was taking a break from the marketing company and I was working at a real estate firm. So I'm like cold calling in the day and then trying to drop ship and do like marketing in the evening on my own. And I really didn't know like which one I was going to do. So I kind of just did both until one just popped off. And actually like this past month, my real estate license just expired. And I don't know if I'm going to renew it because I have to take like 30 hours with the classes. So, but like at a point in time, I was doing both. Like I was cold calling five hours a day of running Instagram shout outs, trying to make a few hundred bucks, but I had no clue what I was going to do in the long term. But I knew that they were both headed in the right direction. And I just assumed once one was doing better, it would demand more of my time, which is fine because it's doing better than the other one. So I feel like because they're so like both towards business, whatever, I was able to keep doing both at the same time. So that's how I did it. But that's not necessarily what I recommend for everybody as well. Yeah. And also it's like, what's the harm in doing both? Like you don't, you don't lose anything, but mm-hmm. I guess my question, both. yeah, I guess my question is more like, like, when is it too late to quit? You know, like when, when should you quit? Yeah. And it's, it's tough because, you know, you might feel in your heart that you have something and True. that you're on the right path, but the world doesn't see it yet. And it's True. like, it's like, at what point does your your vision become delusion. It's like Mm -hmm. such a fine line because you need it. You need that vision, but at the same time, it becomes delusion if it's too long. Exactly. You need that arrogance to power your self-esteem as Kanye West would say. But it's like, uh, I think you don't have to quit, but you might have to change what's your number one focus. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So like, you don't have to quit being a SoundCloud rapper. just, Just maybe do it in the evenings or like Saturday and Sunday, but you need to go and do something else like Monday through Friday. You know what I mean? And that's how I viewed it. Like I didn't, I haven't quit things in a long time. I just allotted a smaller amount of time just in case it still happens. It still happens. Like that song could pop off. You know what I mean? You never Mm. know, but you don't need to be spending 40 hours a week on it. Yeah. Law of diminishing returns. Yeah. So you mentioned Kanye West, you mentioned 50 Cent. Who are some other people you look to for inspiration and who have helped guide you on this journey? Yeah, dude, Kobe Bryant. Like, I don't know if people think uh that i just picked that name but uh like that's one of like that's my actual uh legal middle name bro like i was named after kobe bryant so i've always admired him i've always thought mamba mentality was something that i had a piece of or like i really want to have a piece of of uh not always being the most balanced but uh just trying to use that unbalanced to get stuff done you know what i mean like 
everybody's unbalanced, but if you're unbalanced in things that are good, that is better than being unbalanced in things that are bad. Yeah. It's so tricky though, right? Because what is good and what is bad is sometimes harder to figure out. I think of yeah. often the the kid who was told he can't play video games because that's bad. And then he could have been an esports star if he had just Facts. continued. How do you figure out what's good and what's bad? Um, sometimes you just got to bet on yourself, right? Uh, my parents are always talking to me about stuff. They want me to buy a house. They wanted me to go to college. And one thing they always say is like, when have we led you astray? And like, that really took me aback because I was like, you know what? Like, you guys have never led me astray, but you've told me to do things I don't want to do. So it's like, it's, it's not bad, but it's just not what I want to do, right? Like going to college isn't bad at all, but like, I didn't want to go to college to be an accountant. So I kind of like forged my own thing. So it's kind of just like, stop thinking in terms like bad or good and just do what like you can see yourself doing in the long term, like bad or good, blah, blah, blah. Just like figure out what is good for you and your interests. Like not what everybody else wants you to do, but like what's good for you, like that you want to do. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So going back to the college, why did you decide not to go to college? Was that a difficult decision for you or was that just an obvious no-brainer? Dude, that was a no-brainer, bro. Like <laughs> me and my parents went to college, right? Me and my parents went to college. My dad got his GED. So I was kind of already kind of like, eh. And then I started like getting into all those online business stuff. Then putting me in homeschool actually made it worse because – I got put in homeschool in like 2012 or 2013, right? I haven't done real schoolwork since 2012 or like 2013. And that was my freshman year of high school. So I Googled, I kid you not, I Googled every single thing the rest of my way through high school. So there was no way I was about to go back to school for another couple of years. Like I had already set, I had already gotten like set in my habits. I kind of knew I wanted to be like an entrepreneur or whatever. So there was no way I was going back to school. It was like a no brainer. I was like, you know what? I could just be a real estate agent. My parents are real estate agents. So I could just be a real estate agent at the worst case. And I used to always say that, like, how are you telling me to go to college when you guys just got like your GED? So like, of course, that's not like, like true or like as if that matters, but that was my mentality. So it was an easy decision. Yeah, that makes sense. And have you ever felt like, like ashamed for it in any way? Like you shouldn't obviously, but mm -hmm. have, has that ever snuck into you? Like everyone else has college education mm -hmm. and and I should because of this or that. Has that ever crossed your mind? It did once or like twice. One time when I was younger and I went to like a summer camp out of college, I came home and for like a week, I was like, oh, as a minority, I need to go get a degree, blah, 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 blah. My parents are kind of on board with it. But that only lasted like a week, right? That was whatever. And then another time is uh, probably a couple of years ago. Probably looked like in that 2018, like when I lost my momentum and mm -hmm. I felt like, uh, like I felt like I was on top and then I kind of dropped down. I was kind of embarrassed because I knew I wasn't doing that good or whatever, mm -hmm. but other people, you know, like are in college, like have a little bit more time to figure it out. Still are like being more supported by their parents. Like I had decided to move out and all that, that $500 a month apartment wasn't that exciting anymore. Um, so I was a little bit frustrated at myself during that time. But I don't think it was like I was embarrassed. I just think like when you're frustrated at yourself and your decisions, you start considering every other option. Like maybe I should have went to school. Maybe I should have let my parents keep on supporting me 
um, at home while going to college, whatever, whatever. But like, as soon as, as, as soon as what you want to do starts working out, those feelings immediately fade away. Like all it took was for me to make like a hundred bucks in a day for that feeling to go away. <laughs> then you're back on your horse and, and back on feeling good. Yeah. So, so um, you mentioned Kobe Bryant before, and we spoke about this viral tweet that we got to speak about again. Facts, when Kobe facts. Bryant said his insane level of confidence came from knowing he'd done all he could to prepare, it taught me that anytime I'm nervous, it means I didn't prepare enough. When yeah. was the last time you felt nervous, Kobe? Dude, I feel I'm, I might have got that tweet from like playing basketball at LA Fitness, bro. Like it's been in my head for a while. Um, but like, I feel like when I was younger, dude, I would be at the gym playing with like some older people or having a game with some older people and I could play bro. But like when I used to get the ball sometimes, or even sometimes now I get a little bit nervous, you know, like, I, I like, like it takes me too long to think. And so people used to always just say to me, like, you can really ball, but you just think too much. Mm-hmm. And so I would go online and I'd be searching stuff about Kobe Bryant. And then I saw that it, it stuck with me. Last time I felt nervous, anytime I launch something new, anytime I launch a new angle, I get like nervous, like nervousness, excitement, or like a new sale or new product, just because like you really want it to work. I think I prepared to the maximum, but it's always like, oh, last week I didn't work for two days because I was hanging out. I should have been working on this new launch. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, you kind of doubt yourself sometimes, but uh, always it's just like, Keep that in my head, you know what I mean? Of like, if I want to feel less nervous, I just need to prepare more because like it becomes like second nature, you know what I mean? And when was the last time you felt truly confident? Like, I could get this done. I know what I've done to prepare. I know I'm capable. What about that moment? I feel that way every day right now, bro. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, that's how, that's how I feel every day. Like every day right now, I feel like there's nothing that could stop me. And that's something that like I'm – Working to make sure it isn't dependent on like outside factors, right? It's like a media buyer joke. Like on days when Facebook's treating you good, remember I said that earlier? It's like, oh, you're on top of the world. Days when Facebook's not treating you that good, you're just like, uh, like who am I? Like, what's my self worth? So like, not I'm like, I'm I'm just working on it, like not being dependent on that because like honestly, and I mean it's hundred percent. If I lost every single thing today, I'm gonna bounce right back at some point. It might take me a little bit of time, but I could do it again. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. what I think makes me so much more comfortable and not nervous is like I've done it multiple times. I started from zero multiple times for uh for different reasons. The first time I did it and I was starting from zero, I wasn't sure if if I could do it again. But I did it, I did it better. Then I had to start from zero again. I did it and I did it better. And it's like okay, every time I start from zero, I do it better. So I'm I could do it again and probably grow from it as well. What would you tell someone who doesn't feel that level of confidence and is just, I guess, starting out on their journey, or maybe they've, they've done it a few times, but it's never, they don't feel what you're feeling now. What would you tell that person? Um, just like every single day, pick something that you need to get done that you aren't too sure about. And it could be anything. It, it could be calling a certain person. It could be like jumping off a cliff that you were scared to jump off of. Like that's a real example for me. Like I beat myself up this one time I left the place without jumping. I stopped the car, ran back, jumped, got back in the car. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like I had to get it done. Cause it's just like, I wasn't trying to do something that scares me a little bit. Like if I'm walking down the street or like, if someone was like, Hey, bro, like go talk to that girl. And then I'm like, Oh, I don't want to do it. But then I realize I'm a little bit scared. I'm like, I got to do it. Cause I was scared. Not because I just didn't want to do it. So if you just do stuff often 
as you can that scare you a little bit, eventually you'll get accustomed with feeling that feeling because you're always going to feel it as you do something cooler, but you'll be used to taking that shot. Mm, it's the, the level of confidence comes from doing difficult things. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, man. I couldn't agree more. It's what I talk about on this podcast nonstop. So, Kobe, this has been an incredible conversation. I've learned a ton. I'm so grateful for you. What final pieces of parting words do you have to someone who's pursuing the highest version of themselves? Let's say they're a 22-year-old kid just trying to become better, whether that's physically, spiritually, emotionally. What would you tell that person? Mm. Get in the habit of talking to more people, honestly. And I don't mean this in a superficial way. I'm naturally like a more, I'm outgoing, but if I don't know you, I don't really want to speak to you. But like taking a bigger interest in random people you come across that could be like at Starbucks, that could be online, that could be your parents' own story. Taking a, a, like a, a greater interest in the people around you who you might not have thought had something to offer, you never know what could come from it. It could be a crazy opportunity or you could just learn a story that gives you a whole new perspective on why people are the way they are, how that affects you, what you can learn from it. So just take more interest in people, even when it doesn't seem like they have anything to immediately offer you. It's beautiful advice. Kobe, where can people find you? I'm sure they want more of you after this conversation. Where, where should you, we send them? Yeah, yeah. if you want to see uh, more of how I look on Instagram at Kobe Gatsby, you can see the smile whenever I post. But if you want to see uh, how I think and just stuff about business and e-commerce and me chopping it up with Danny on Twitter, Kobe Gatsby. Awesome. Well, those will all be in the show notes. Thank you, Kobe, for your time. I really appreciate it. I've learned a lot and I'm grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, bro. I appreciate it. That was my conversation with Kobe Gatsby. If you enjoyed this episode let me know on Twitter at Hey Danny Miranda. And if you think someone will enjoy it, feel free to pass it along to them as well. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening. I appreciate you more than you know. Until the final seconds, it means the absolute world to me. And I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.